Welcome everyone to your WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here today, maybe, for the final time, talking WandaVision, the Marvel Assembled uh, documentary having dropped on uh, Friday, March 12th, as well as our presumptive series wrap. Indeed. And Pete, let's start with that assembled documentary. Uh, certainly a good look at the process of, you know, uh, of putting the series together. Interesting insight and so forth. Uh, some of it filmed in the COVID world. Uh a lot of that, I would say, a lot of that behind-the-scenes filming, kind of well-hidden, like, you know, surely when Catherine Hahn is talking on her last day of filming uh, in the, you know, the nosy neighbor uh, outfit, um, surely she's distanced from the interviewer and they're outside in town square and that sort of thing. Uh, the interview with uh, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, uh, I think done on a on a fancy schmancy iPhone and then footage emailed in that sort of thing. Um, but, but, but an able behind the scenes episode, what were your thoughts? I think just like the second season, you know, uh, what do they call those for Mandalorian? The, uh, the gallery, um, abridged obviously because of the situation we're in, you know, that you got like, six or I think eight episodes for the gallery for the first season of Mandalorian and then all put together as one <clears throat> for that second season and here with Marvel now for the first time this week between WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier that they give us this uh, documentary uh, and yeah I was watching and then you know I didn't notice till the wire work all right, that dude's got a mask over there in the corner. Okay, so now we have a sense of when that was completed. Um, and then I'm like, oh my God, Catherine Hahn is up on the wires and she doesn't have a mask on. Protect Catherine Hahn at all costs. <laughs> and I think it's over that COVID issue, indeed, Pete, you know, we recording uh, this episode on Sunday, March 14th, the, the one-year anniversary of the you know, the final Friday, a lot of people went to work and a lot of kids went to school. And then the Monday was a Saturday. What's that? The 14th was a Saturday. Indeed. But in that end point between the Friday, Friday, the 13th closing, and then the Monday, the 16th work from home kind of, kind of thing. Um, I think this assembled episode was a little dishonest by leaving out those details. Now, maybe that's something, uh, hopefully five years from now, you look back and say, wow, that was a challenging year for, for, for me personally or people I know, my job, and so forth. But in terms of your entertainment and the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, hopefully it does it does fade away as an anecdote. That said, part of the production of this show is tied to that whole shutdown. I very much would have liked, you know, the scene where, you know, Matt Shackman uh, has recorded the Zoom meeting where Kevin Feige calls him on saturday march 14th 2020 to say dude we're we're shutting down we don't know when we're resuming we definitely will i just spoke with bob i just spoke with other bob uh we're we're not abandoning this show we just don't know when like that would have been i mean it would have been viscerally entertaining but that i think would have been an honest record of the making of the show 
and instead maybe 50 years from now one will look at that footage and go hey a couple of people those uh, they're wearing masks maybe it's because they're blowing smoke at Catherine Hahn too along with the fan or something I don't know so to me that's kind of where it fell down where we could have captured the moments around which this show was made and instead unsurprisingly it was a it was a tightly produced product of marvel which is to say we want to cover these things over here and the things we don't want to talk about it's all magically gone it's all it's all behind the marvel veil <laughs> Let, let's hope that that legacy uh holds something tells me it's going to be a uh, line in the sand, a point of demarcation for a lot of our lives. Speaking of lives, Matt, and changed by WandaVision, the thing that I enjoyed the most, I get the most out of, was the gleeful, uh, you know, recount of uh, Tayona Paris, you know, auditioning and getting the role and what it meant for her to become Monica Rambo. Absolutely, and I think clearly that enthusiasm and that arc for Monica Rambeau, that's part and parcel with the show. Obviously not front and center, but that's probably, you know, 1B to the 1A of uh, Wanda and Vision. Um, and quite frankly, in line with some of the other, uh, I would, you know, unwritten mission statements but what i would say the mission statements of marvel studios in the last five years which is greater inclusivity and greater interconnectivity so the fact that yes of course monica rambo as a super powered black woman that's that's a high point of the series i wish we got a little bit more of it but you know but here's another way to put it me wishing we got more of it but wait pete we will in captain marvel too and who knows what uh, what um, Tayona Paris's deal actually is, because conceivably she'll show up in Ms. Marvel and say, "Come, Captain Marvel wants to meet you." You know, whatever it is, the areas where the show might be lacking are the areas precisely uh, from which we want more, and that is ultimately a good thing uh, if we get those things down the line. Which you know, when it comes to Monica Rambeau, we know we will. You know, they they check. Uh, the building of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Paul Bettany talks about this episodic nature. And now that that doesn't just incorporate the films. And again, you know, as a podcast that's done all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe TV. And then, you know, of course, you have the split with them and you know from it's all connected to uh hey yeah colson was in an avengers movie and you know not so much anymore uh that now you can create a character on the tv shows so you're gonna go into the films i think it's pretty much spelled out that she'll be part of secret invasion um or, you know, one of the many other shows. People are clamoring for more of this character already. I think that was done by design. Yeah, and I think that you continue to you continue to really see the interconnectivity of all this pushed and pushed in a way where um, you know, where it was not with the Marvel TV era. And th these are this is all adding to the richness of things. Uh, I had put on Twitter in the last uh, in the last week that if the theoretical 
projected schedule holds, we're getting new Marvel every month this year. Um, you know, whether it's new episodes, new movie, or both. And obviously, after the drought that was 2020 and so yeah. forth, I'll, I'll add to this discussion in terms of the connectivity. It's been interesting in the last in the last week or two, especially in the last week, especially since WandaVision concluded. Um, a lot of the Shield fans. There's there's been this vocalization. I personally would say maybe over vocalization of like you know you can't tell me the shield isn't part of the canon and here's my evidence and so on and so forth. And it's kind of kind of fighting that battle again. Um, and if that's just out of loyalty to you know the the first Marvel TV love in Agents of Shield, so be it. That's fine. Um, but bottom line, all of these shows are. Uh, under the Marvel Studios era of these TV shows, they're all meant to be carefully integrated uh, in terms of how they how they interconnect with the story. And uh, I mean, we were remarking right before we started rolling on the podcast here. I don't think anybody at the end of Endgame when it was like, "Sorry, Wanda, you know, Vision is still dead." I don't think at the time anybody was like, you know, doing the Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, Look, it's a spinoff. They're setting up a spinoff. It was just the reality. <laughs> But then in retrospect, you go, oh my goodness, They Matt Shackman was having meetings about this show in 2017. They knew what they were doing. That just wasn't a loose thread of like, hey, Wanda, that's life. It was, hey, Wanda, that's life. See you on Disney+. Plus. And it's just, it's that level of, of connectivity where you go, I feel so bad for her. Well, a couple years later, you can do something about it by watching WandaVision. And a couple points there. I mean, you talk about end game you know the end game that has uh agent carter jarvis in it that that reaches for that that you know you've pointed to a couple times on various podcasts that we've done you know how they kind of in the commentary track on disney plus oh yeah that and then there was this character that was on tv and they really move past it real quick but i was thinking before we podcast today that the um the idea, I mean, I think it's both at this point. And, you know, I know there are people fiercely loyal to S.H.I.E.L.D. And I don't think you're going to find any more, anybody more loyal to S.H.I.E.L.D. than a couple guys that podcast it for seven years. That, you know, Fantastic Geek exists because of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and the idea that they were reaching for and using the concept of Cree blood before the Cree had been in guardians of the galaxy was something that occurred to me today. Uh, and yes, the, the timeline got super wonky at the end. And, and that is a, a result of any schism that would have seemed to occur between Kevin Feige and, and Jeff Loeb. Um, you talk about, the release schedule this year and every month it would project that there's some kind of Marvel offering wasn't long ago, Matt, that that was going on. I didn't go back and look what year I think it was 2018. We hit like our first month that didn't have a Marvel show going, dropping on Netflix or a film like it was every month for a very, very long time. Uh, so obviously like everything else, COVID has created a little bit of a wedge in between. And then 
all these things cranking up again in terms of doing it. But, you know, just back to the point of the connectivity, I, I think it, it's been there. I think it's been to the point where if you're a dedicated viewer, it, it's enough to hold you over. Okay. You know, longtime listener, uh, Fred from the Netherlands is, is going back chronologically um, even though he's been with us on WandaVision and uh, he's just reached Inhumans. <laughs> and though he's posted, he's watched the two-part movie, the thing that Matt and I were among like six people in an <laughs> IMAX theater in August 2017 watching uh, Prayers for Fred. Indeed, Inhumans is is a rough go. Um, and... Uh... I don't know. It is interesting to reflect on the legacy of Marvel TV. Uh, Long-time listeners will know I put this chart together, and and while you were talking, I opened it back up. In the 2017-2018 TV season, Marvel TV had close to 125 episodes that it put out in that Mm -hmm. TV year. Um, That's astounding. It is. Um, But I think they flew too close to the sun. I think everybody knows it. You know, the Remember, Wanda, WandaVision, um, Inhumans began its life as a feature film. And then they yanked the Iron Fist showrunner and gave him that and said, make it big and huge. And here's the awful wig. And here's the like, that was a still that Fred had, you know, posted on Twitter. Um, I forget who the character is and she's got like different color hair in the middle of her hair. Like it looks like a bad nineties take, um, at costuming. And I doubt it's held up well, (laughs) you know, I, I think too, it's something that you have to endure, uh, you know, to know that, and it's on Disney plus, so you can check it out and, and you can tell us we're, we're wrong. You can tell us we're right. Um, but those eight episodes, I think that was flying a little too close to the sun. I, I think, you know, so fast, so quickly in terms of the growth. But here we are, you know, Disney Plus kind of sets the reset button with that, with WandaVision. And for this to be the first offering that they put out, and, you know, we got Falcon and the Winter Soldier next week, you know, it feels like this was always the one that needed to start it and started it with such a bang. Yeah. And that certainly is something that we've commented about before that in terms of Marvel studios making a splash on television, this is the better way to do it. This, the show that is a love letter to television of years past, as well as really showing the, uh, the opportunity for the kind of the, the, the core Marvel story uh, of Wanda, a vision to stretch its muscles. You know, where else would we get a Wanda and Pietro flashback? Where else would we get time in Sokovia with the parents and whatnot? You're just not doing that in a larger movie. And, you know, are Wanda and vision characters that would, uh, would support a movie, you know, maybe yes, maybe no. But the, the point being they're better used here for the intrigue of the story, kind of the more intimate nature of their romance, the ability to do flashbacks and whatnot. And I think, you know, this as the debut show to say, this is what Marvel Studios television can be. 
it's a fantastic example. Uh, you know, in, in a little while, we're going to be uh, talking on another podcast. We're going to be talking our, our Falcon and the Winter Soldier final preview where Anthony Mackie was disappointed initially that they wanted him for a TV show, not here's the plan for the next big movie. Um, and, and, and that's one perspective, especially sight on scene. Now that we've seen this show, you say, wow, now I get what this can do. Well, that's the thing too. Like it's a safe space to take a character that maybe the perception might be, isn't ready for prime time. Can't hold its own film down. Is there any doubt at this point, Matt, that people would line up for a WandaVision movie? No, there isn't. Um, and I think particularly uh, th- if this is a way to, um, first of all, first and foremost, it's a way to feed content for Disney Plus, mm-hmm. which Disney as a company has identified is is the future core of its creative storytelling. But add to that, you know, I look at the I look at what is now the 2021 uh, Marvel Studios film schedule. I think maybe this way, Pete. Five years ago, Shang Chi. Who? What? And it's mostly right. an Asian cast. Uh, I don't know. Should, should somebody spend two hundred million dollars to make this movie? Uh, Eternals, Pete. I'm still not entirely clear who the Eternals are, or what they what they want, and so on and so forth. But uh, I know there's a whole bunch of big stars in it, and uh, and you know Chloe Zhao is likely on her way to an Oscar nomination tomorrow for Nomadland. So Marvel will have an Oscar nominee, perhaps a, an Oscar-winning director, uh, or, or will have had it uh, for for Eternals. So is there the opportunity here, along with that that mission statement of, uh, you know, obviously great comics characters and engaging stories, but uh, not getting old, not, not doing same old, same old, whether that's by diverse characters, diverse storytelling, or just taking the stories in new directions, Sure, it could be that these Disney Plus shows are also incubators, and five years from now, when you do, you know, an Avengers movie and it's Wanda and uh, Vision 2.0 as as the leads, and you say, "Oh, how did we ever get here? How did this ever get so good compared to Tony Stark and Cap?" Well, it's the Disney show, it's the Disney Plus shows that helped make that possible. And you know, the math of well, hey, this is nine episodes, this is six episodes, the time commitment that that is as opposed to a feature film that at most with endgame you know we're we're over three hours so i mean it it seems a simple thing i mean just to switch universes real quick to have john boyega say you know around the time that rise of skywalker came out you know don't disney plus me that you know like you said with mackie the the perception of a slight but so much more story space, so much more time dedicated to the to the characters. I, I hope he'd reconsider at some point, given, you know, look at the space in terms of and, you know, for our podcast here, Matt, too, like the discussion, the water cooler week to week of of what WandaVision was. And I know some people are like down on falcon and the winter soldier that there, there won't be the the level of you know theorization that mephisto won't be in every corner unexplored like give it a chance yeah and i think i mean that brings us to the strengths of wandavision that not only not only was it that kind of 
Marvel Studios easy to go down mix of we're going to address some issues regarding uh, life as a woman, trying to balance family slash marriage along with work and what that's like. And, you know, it's we're not going to turn it into necessarily this full-on exploration of it as a topic, which has been a level of, of criticism. Uh, I know I read a, a New York Times review of the season, and essentially that was the conclusion that the author uh, was writing about. She found lots to praise in terms of giving Wanda um, story time that she wouldn't uh, normally get in the movies and so forth, but ultimately what's the conclusion about this 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 issue that Pete, you and I can't speak to uh, very directly, but this issue of how does a woman balance home and work and and children and husband and or spouse? You know how, how do all things all these things get uh, get balanced? Well, in the in the MCU, it's because there was the hex and the magic, and well, it's it's tragic that they all had to disappear. But uh, you know, th- this show essentially does not have an answer to that. Okay, you know, fair criticism. Um, and I, I, I think, I think it's, it's an accurate, uh, minor ding against the show. I think the fact that we had the discussion along the way about that as a real world topic, let alone did all this mystery box mental gymnastics. I mean, that's the, that, that, that's been part of the real fun where you sit and say, is this detail, is this off by a little bit? Is it a mistake? Is it, don't worry about it? Or is it a big key to it? You know, that engagement factor, that that social factor of it, even though we are all still separated, you know, it's it's the water cooler, but, but without the water cooler, that's been part of the the great strength of the the series as well. Yeah, you wonder how much of the stew, the post production schedule was in terms of that. You know, they they've said that nothing has changed as a result of COVID, obviously, other than the release schedule um you know this as we continue to wait for definitive proof answer that black widow will indeed come in in may which we seem to be closer on but still hasn't been stated uh well to be fair disney ceo bob chapek said we are releasing it on may 7th he said that at the latest investor thing in the last uh, 10 days. I think there was like, you know, I think there was the slightest little caveat, like, I don't want to say it was like, if possible, but it was like, our plan is to release it on May 7th. So that's enough wiggle room in case, whatever, whatever. But I think, I think it doesn't get much more clear than in February, uh, or, or early March. You've you seen say, it. Have you seen a commercial with the date for it? Have you seen a poster? I haven't. No, but listen, I'm telling you, I think that when, when they feel locked in for it, it's going to be, I think, I think the marketing people will be told, all right, all right, Disney marketing department, time to save theatrical releases in America. That's the ad that we need. Go. Whatever that looks like, I don't know. That's why... I'm on this end of the microphone and not, yeah, not in marketing, you're, but you're big on that. I'm I'm less uh, big on that one in terms of how they'll go about it. But just in terms of WandaVision, the difference that this offered week to week, the super unique way in that approaching this through sitcoms and tying that back to Wanda's youth, the the big secret early on, like why are they in the fifties, the sixties? I remember encountering people who 
we're, we're checking out WandaVision because it was the, the first big Marvel Disney Plus who were like, oh, I don't know what to make of this. All right, I'll continue. And then there are other people like, oh, it was it was silly and I, I bounced. But just the way it rewarded week to week in terms of the complexity. And that's why I think this this streaming nature and the ability to go deeper into both characters we already know from the films or to introduce a Monica Rambeau and now to spin her off into a film and then potentially back into a series of her own or to co-star. Um, it's, it's the now of storytelling, whereas before it was, hey, you are a movie character and that's it. Oh, hey, Coulson, you will come over and now you will get a a show and the Avengers will never, ever know you came back. And I think something also that the assembled uh, episode showed that was a real highlight for the series was there was a big focus on the craft of each episode being mm-hmm. done for the sake of the craft. Yeah. Um, the, the story had been out there for a while, but things like when they're filming that, you know, that pilot episode, the, the 1950s uh, episode, the fact that all the crew members were were given costumes, you know, this is how a light guy, this, I mean, most of it, you know, if you're a gentleman, you're wearing a shirt and tie and pants, that kind of thing. But um, the the bleacher seats were all wooden folding chairs with cushions. Uh, I, I gathered that the guests, who of course were kind of like, you know, friends and family of Marvel Studios, uh, I gathered that they were asked to kind of dress in kind of 1950s attire, you know, kind of just, you know, uh, young gentlemen will wear a sweater and dress pants, you know, that sort of thing. Women will wear a, will wear a dress or a skirt, you know, kind of no... One lady with the... She's in the front row, it's hard to miss, with, like, the compression sock. Right, right. Um, so, I, again, I give the show a lot of credit for just saying, we're going to do a 1950s episode, we're going to do it. And... Does that all translate? Does that you know? Does does lady in the front row wearing compression sock? Does that translate to the episode? You know, not really, or not necessarily. But if you're a loud laugher, it does. Like <laughs> like the audience was told. Yeah. And and yeah, the the level to which they committed to it. This could have been. We're gonna make it look like it was filmed in front of a live studio audience. And even then, Matt, just so we're clear, like that live studio audience was uh, friends and family, uh, people there by invitation, not like, hey, you, 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 you want to go, you want to go see a, a thing? Come here. We're going to, we're going to film a thing. Oh, shh, it's a Marvel thing. You can't tell anybody you got to sign this. No, like, like a, like a Breaking Bad with El Camino you know, where they filmed the diner scene where a character, I'm not going to spoil it for you, uh, who's dead, shows up. Uh, yeah, they staff that with people that they already knew that they could trust. And yeah, they made sure, too, they locked it down. But also, we had heard all about this live studio taping well before it happened. Yeah, so I think that that's, that's a credit to it as well. And I think that that's a nice kind of flagpole that's been planted moving forward again in this weird moving forward but it was the second show to be made because falcon and winter soldier what had started filming well before it but just in terms of you think there's a live studio audience in in uh prog probably not probably not but uh, again just this bottom line that there's a there's a deep-seated craft to this series that that helps all the particulars come across 
Um, and yeah, fine. If we want to talk some dings, every theory of ours didn't pan out. Okay, and we've discussed before how that's not, you know, that's not, it's not the responsibility of the show to deliver me my theories. Did they do some fake outs that they knew would be fake outs? You know, Pietro being the top one? Absolutely. I think the whole Mephisto debate that was there for people who knew it, and if you didn't, I mean, there was never any evidence. It wasn't, you know, like, well, wait until Mr. M hears about this, you know. There was never any hints like that. Um, But I think as we discussed last week, the, to me, the takeaway is, because of the nature of this show, it's kind of no harm, no foul with, all right, you faked me out. I was 100%. I know there's a multiverse coming. I know it's the next thing that Lizzie Olsen is working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're, if, if rumors are true, we're getting multiverse even before that. We're getting it this holiday season, Pete, when Spider-Man uh, No Way Home comes. There's going to be some kind of multiverse something going on. Um, so therefore, Pietro is from the the multiverse. No, okay, you tricked me. Okay, like it was in the second episode, I thought it was one kind of magic trick, and it was another kind of magic trick. You fooled me. Applause, applause. Now I see the rope. I see how you did it. I enjoy the trick. You know, was was Dottie intentional? Uh, she's the key to it all. No, she's not. Again, we're <laughs> she's a we're... friend of Jack Schaefer's from ten years ago. <laughs> We're, we're along for the ride. We had fun. I know there's legitimately some people that felt disappointed with the finale. I think the scope of it, when you watch the Marvel Assembled uh, you know, documentary, is the idea that they never did this much wire work. They never had this much flying uh, with these characters. So... You know, we had heard back channel, you know, oh, there's a really big set piece. I don't know that that was a massive, huge Avengers level set piece as it was, you know, relayed to us. Uh, Still pretty damn impressive for, you know, what we consider, quote unquote, TV nowadays. And, you know, this does not fit the box metaphorically of, of what TV was. For me, the highlights were the way that they were able to nail, you know, Malcolm in the middle and family ties, uh, that aesthetic, you know, the the great piece. And had these been, you know, vignettes of, of making of rather than all into one, you know, like we had done with uh, the the first season of Mandalorian. Okay, here's gonna be the the 15 minute episode on how the music was made and everything there. And the Jack Schaefer, you know, child of the 80s, like me, that her favorite is the Family Ties one, and that she sings it. You know, that that just that just made me happy. Uh, and and to see the the way that they did that. And you know, if you're not a child of the 80s, go and watch the Family Ties opening credits and see how lovingly they recreated that in terms of what they presented. So, you know, that episode, the one where Pietro shows up at the end and just the level of discussion that we had there. And then the Malcolm in the middle one that, that carries that over to me, that represented the real high point of, of the series. And again, not that the finale didn't end in some grand, huge way. It did, all our characters have have gone elsewhere and it's you know 
uh, stories preserving, right, Matt, as as has become the, the meme from the, the great line there about grief. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that it wasn't in the design, in the direction that they always planned in taking us. Yeah, in fact, there, I can't remember the exact scene, but there was a scene, um, I think, as something towards the finale maybe it was the goodbye scene something like that i don't think that that was shot early on but i think jack schaefer said that that was written early on um you know when wanda says goodbye to the to to, to the kids and to vision uh that that was written super early on and, and didn't change so again it ends up being a show about wanda it ends up being a show then next about vision um, and the other things, just the uh, just you know the the set dressing along the way as we explore those characters. Pete, should we get on into some listener feedback here? Absolutely. Uh, first up is a uh, direct message on Twitter from David Siller. That's that Siller David poet who says, "Greetings, Matt and Pete. Well, we made it nine episodes as foretold, roughly a half hour each as foretold, and what a ride! The ending of WandaVision was exactly what it needed to be." While it was fun theorizing for the past couple of months, the show delivered what we promised. Uh, what it promised. We're set up for at least a couple of groovy movie things that are fairly obvious, as well as some surprises that we'll theorize about and get wrong even more. Speaking of wrong theories, we didn't get Mephisto, and that's okay. We didn't get Nightmare or Doctor Strange or another Sorcerer or Sorceress, and that's okay. It's a good reminder that it's always a joy just to be on the ride the creators are giving us. Since 2008, Marvel has provided glorious content uh, in TV and film, and, except for maybe one thing, the quality has always been good to great. Perhaps everything is not to everyone's taste, but that's okay, because there's something for everyone. Now, on to what is likely an action-packed Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and the theories that we'll get wrong for that, too. Stay fantastic. Pete, that's from David the Poet. Thank you, David. Yeah, I mean, I had found a, a meme. Somebody took the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and made it Mephisto and the Winter Mephisto and, and sent that to uh, to Matt, and we posted it on the Fantastic Geek Twitter. It's okay. It's a lot of fun to swing and miss at some of these, too. Like, the the... the discussion that happens as a result of it instead of you know if it was just an a team and they went on a mission and all right they they got the girl back and end of the story like i just think it'd be less interactive and that's where they really nail the meta nature of all of this you know you think of the enduring mysteries matt the things we still don't have answers to you know who was jimmy woo's uh, witness he was protecting in in Westview. Uh, I don't think those things are going to be dropped. In fact, it would seem that's going to come back up. There's a lot of signs pointing to, all right, is there a She-Hulk connection there? Uh, and, and will the witness emerge with a character who deals in the, the legal scope of the MCU as is gearing up to film? So... You know, just because it didn't happen here doesn't mean it can't ultimately happen. Now, is Mephisto telling Baron Zemo what to do? I, I don't think so. Uh, Pete, also via uh, Twitter direct message, Shauna Kelly had directed us towards uh, some of the Matt Shackman quotes in the last week or so, where basically he was saying that some 
of the CGI things um, post-lockdown. So, you know, again, the show, all the outdoor um, outdoor Westview stuff was filmed since September. So Matt Chapman saying that there was some CGI stuff that had been uh, itself locked, not in a lockdown sense, but, you know, it, that it was... It, they didn't have a ton of wiggle room because of timing. Um, I know that I, I think we've talked about uh, last week how there was a uh, scene with Wanda, the kids, Ralph and Darcy trying to steal the dark hold and how that got cut. Uh, we had been told that that was cut for pacing reasons that it just didn't work. But bottom line, Shauna basically saying um, perhaps some of the issues that, that we are taking lovingly uh, with the finale, uh, you know, areas where it might have felt disjointed. Um, indeed, Disney saying that it was an hour-long episode in their push notification. Maybe that's because the episode, as envisioned, didn't quite come together. And I don't think anybody's saying it's a failure of an episode, but the episode, as envisioned, no pun intended, did not come together because of these uh, extraneous factors. Pete, I would say, if nothing else, that means if we rework the go get the dark hold scene for something else, or if you know, if they didn't shoot as much Monica helping save the day stuff because they just said, guys, we're doing eight-hour days because that's safer. We're not doing 10-hour days, you know, and things like that. Uh, we only have so much daylight, and we only want to spend so many days here because of COVID. Uh, sorry, Tiana, you, you just got your page of dialogue cut. That's all unfortunate. I don't want to say that's the business. That's just, here's the good news. They were working, making a thing that we were able to enjoy amidst all this craziness, you know, net win. Yeah, you know, Darcy ghosting without a goodbye, but they give her, you know, oh, debriefs are, are for the week. They, they made it as best they can, they could, all things considered. And I, I think that's very important. You know, does it get an asterisk? It's like a, you know, a, a athletic team, you know, winning a championship during COVID. Is it going to be questions? You, you know, is it going to be questioned? inevitably but it it still exists still the thing i think you know given that these shows now they're there forever uh it's always going to be part of the discussion but appreciating it for what it is and it's not like they're going to point it out on the screen we we filmed this during covid um you know will you be able to tell i i think it'll it'll become the type of thing where you know it'll become Matt, is that a, is that an Easter egg? Or am I saying this right? You know, uh, like when you know the the witch's shoes were under the car. That's an Easter egg to a, a film you may not have seen called <laughs> uh, The Wizard of Oz. Uh, to know that they filmed, you know, portions of this during a pandemic, and there might have been editing and you know other decisions uh, forced because of that. I I don't know. Well, Pete. Your response to Shauna's DM has me uh, w with a theory question. Here's one last theory for you. Ahead of the release of Doctor Strange 2, do, do they maybe go back? We're going to finish that scene. We're going to do this. We're gonna, do we get the WandaVision special edition where you say, guess what? Eight minutes just got added to the finale. Do you think there's the possibility of them ever doing that, whether it's WandaVision or one of these other shows? <laughs> I think that's a little disingenuous outside of a show's run, the suddenly special edition, a TV show. Um, perhaps this talked about scene where, you know, Senor Scratchy turns into a demon and the kids fight it. 
gets turned into a post credit scene in one of these other things. Um, if not, you, you make it an extra, even put it in there unfinished, potentially, you know, the, the thing that, I mean, I like a lot of things about the star Wars special edition, but it, it makes the goofiest changes to my favorite film of all time. The empire strikes back in that, we need to see, we need to know that Darth Vader calls for a shuttle and then watch it bring him to his uh, superstar destroyer because we can't, uh, like before, when it originally came out and it is edited beautifully in the, the final act, understand that he got from Cloud City to his ship and now is talking telepathically with uh, Luke Skywalker. Like, the, the audience is smart and that was overkill for the point of doing it. But then again, Matt, I heard that George Lucas is coming back to take star Wars back on uh, March 4th from everyone. Oh, Pete, you kid. Um, let's take a look at our Twitter poll. Our final WandaVision Twitter poll. One broken heart wither the Mephisto got 1.7%. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, come on <laughs> uh two two uh, hearts got a uh, which is a fun tv fling got five percent three hearts amazing adventure got 18.3 percent and then four hearts visionary magic uh got 75 percent so tons of enthusiasm there we heard from lmd mary that's at geek kirk the writing of the dialogue is the best i've ever experienced on a show uh pete i think uh, this show will do nicely for Emmy nominations this summer uh, for all uh, around. I series. think, you yeah, know, we talked early on about the technical level and it's definitely high. And then you add that weighs in its favor COVID. Okay. It's like this degree of difficulty. It's like doing the triple axle blindfolded. Um, but then you add the emotional, you know, Lizzie Olson has, further established herself to the point, you know, I'm, I'm legitimately worried like where they're going to start to come at her. Like, well, here's this star vehicle over here. You don't need the Marvel stuff anymore. Uh, and just hope they continue to make it fun for her and a reason to come back. She's 32. All right. And the idea that they could be building around her as an adventure. I mean, when did Robert Downey Jr. get involved? He was in his late 40s, right? Okay. Um, you know, Chris Evans uh, in, his, in his 30s. Okay. The idea that they have her to build around potentially for a very, very long time in as epic a character as they've now firmly established that she is. Bettany and his comedic ability here. Uh, and, and then... Catherine Hahn like this this show has brought the love for Catherine Hahn I think that was always there but now exposed her uh to a new audience and you know I I think the the future is just going to go up and up and up as well for her not that killing somebody off in a universe such as, as this is definitive but I'm so grateful they kept her around and really hope that her next appearance will be in uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. 
And can we quickly go back to the assembled documentary for a second where they're showing the behind the scenes where she does the, you know, and I killed Sparky too. And it oh does the God. laugh uh, and then <laughs> turns, walks away and take, yeah, takes the takes the, you know, the, the the puppet of the dog wrapped in uh, wrapped in the blanket and like punts it at the ground. Like, uh-huh. I know why that wasn't in the edit mm-hmm. of the episode, but that is that is acting right there. That is 100 percent what agatha would do in that moment <laughs> yeah i mean she's she's always been somebody who's who's soaked up i think of like stepbrothers and the role she plays in that or even in like anchorman the way she chews up the stuff that she's given and 47 years of age for her to finally get this big star vehicle and, and look what it's turned into um yeah just super pleased about that and her DH self looks like my wife in uh, 1993, which I still can't get over. Back to some of the Twitter responses here. We heard from Stephanie. That's at Wing Steph. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, it, the, the show. It was a lot of fun and a lot of fun, too, in addition to uh, the action. Uh, I broke out laughing at Family Ties and Malcolm in the Middle homages. We heard from Nathan Nolan Edwards. It's at Nolan Edwards. The show had me rewatch every episode multiple times and enjoying every rewatch just as much as the first. It also had me rewatch four Marvel movies with new eyes. I imagine more things will be discovered and more questions will be answered as we move forward with the MCU. Fantastic. And Pete, that's with the PH. Yeah. So that's the thing. It had been the case before. Let's not pretend that WandaVision has quote unquote redeemed Age of Ultron. But you look at the genesis of these characters from that film and I think wisely too in terms of, hey, here's the whole Marvel backlog that only not until recently, other than the the Spider-Man movies, had resided on Disney+. Plus. But now that oh, you may want to watch this and the number of people who may not have watched Age of Ultron going back and and looking at that. Wait, Wanda can control an entire town? Uh, You mean like she did in Sokovia? Yeah, it... um, I mean, we've talked before about how a a stated goal of uh, Paramount Plus is to create things that will make people go back and rewatch the old catalog because it's easier to make 10 episodes of a CSI Las Vegas uh, limited series than it is to make a new series for, you know, for, for an open ended number of episodes, because then you can say, now go back and watch the first 180. Um, So that's a pessimistic way to do it. An optimistic way is we're going to make a show that's honest to Wanda and vision. And if you've forgotten their origins, that's also on the service as well. Uh, and indeed, speaking of Disney+, Plus, we heard from Spider-Ham Lincoln. That's at TessLC139. Overall, it was a great series and a wonderful start for the Disney Plus Marvel shows. Uh, we'll be talking about WandaVision and its impact on the MCU for years to come. Keeping it short this time, make mine Marvel and stay fantastic. Of course, Pete, that with the PH. And then lastly here, we heard from Darren Bell. Darren B4605205. Five nine. Uh, Darren says, I thought it was awesome, even though I didn't fully enjoy the first two episodes. By episode three, I was fully in. My only disappointment was not getting X-Men Pietro, but I guess I can see why they made that, uh, made the decision to use Evan Peters as it kept us guessing. Can't wait for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I know there's a, like, save Pietro or, you know, make Evan Peters uh, Quicksilver movement, and you never know. 
we've we've joked that that's the you know billion dollar cameo uh being able to do that it could have been worse matt they could have not done it at all there could have been no ring at the doorbell there could have been no you know francis-esque uh uncle jesse mashup in the in the malcolm in the middle uh portion of the story it's richer for it and they made the right call there pete the hashtag save pietro movement brought to you by the people who <clears throat> successfully have brought you the hashtag save daredevil uh movement i look forward to seeing daredevil season four on um yeah pete why don't we move on what feedback do you have on facebook matt michael tacker writes in Hey guys, I was listening to your WandaVision podcast. Great job, by the way. And while you were discussing the missing witness that Agent Wu came to find in order to get him to the East Coast, I had a thought. Aren't people in the witness protection program given a new name and identity? Richard Boner? Really? Michael? Okay. Uh, Then he said, uh, sorry, Ralph, not Richard. So... Again, you know, the the thing that that potentially was was left dangling out there and and not settled. The the show doesn't have to answer questions because these connect necessarily in its run. They they can be answered, you know, in other places. Uh, So is it going to be in in She-Hulk? Is it somebody who connects to a Spider-Man movie or to the Ant-Man movie or anything like that? You know, I I think if at, you know, a point where a Thor movie ended or a uh, Ant-Man movie ended and I grabbed you coming out of the theater and said, hey, in early 2021, you're going to watch a TV show uh, for nine episodes on a streaming service that Disney starts that will have um, <clears throat> uh, Wanda, Vision, uh, Jimmy Woo, uh, Darcy Lewis all together. I think you would have looked at me cockeyed. And here it is. And it's the first one. And there's more content coming like this i mean when when we're watching hawkeye matt you know what what will take place there and that's you know one two three four that's five shows away but uh is close to wrapping production now yeah it's also possible too that the witness was just a story excuse to get jimmy woo involved and you know we know the jimmy woo story continues it's not because he's been announced for anything else other than presumably the next ant-man movie um but it's possible that as he's coordinating the the law enforcement response to westview you know once an hour after they've set up the triage station and the where they're going to collect uh evidence he then goes to you know one two three main street knocks on the door and says oh bob there you are you okay you okay you need a little sandwich all right hey uh thanks for uh informing on the mob we got you covered here the end like it was just a simple witness protection thing and it had no other 
interaction with the story it's not mephisto or anything else but you know it, it could just be as simple as oh i finally i found my guy and he's not as interesting as everything else that happened in the show so they didn't show it in the show but he wasn't on the run from kingpin matt uh not yet anyway <laughs> steve adams writes in the fantastic geek facebook page as i look back on wandavision one word immediately comes to mind wow I thought I knew what to expect from Marvel as they transitioned to Disney+. Plus. I had no clue. Marvel has gone to a level of storytelling far beyond anything they have done before. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Netflix shows were great for the most part. But this has gone so far beyond even their lofty heights. I feel like I just watched a five and a half hour movie, not a TV miniseries. Uh, event isn't even a good word for what we saw. I would say that Marvel seems to be committed to this platform in a way they never were with Marvel television and all the content created there. I was never a huge fan of Vision, Scarlet Witch, or Monica Rambeau's uh, Captain Marvel growing up. This show has made me care about all three of them in a way I never anticipated. They were all likable and presented well. The casting was perfect, as has been the case with almost everything Marvel has done. The argument from DC fans has always been, but DC makes better TV shows. Even though I felt Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. more than held up against those shows, Marvel has now definitively killed that argument as well. The superhero genre is Marvel's world, and we're all just living in it. And I, for one, am okay with that. The only problem I see going forward is that this was so good that the bar may have been set to an unreachable point. I had low expectations for WandaVision and was blown away. I am going to have to keep my expectations down for Falcon and Winter Soldier and allow myself to be blown away again. But this show, this is everything we have ever imagined television could be somebody from marvel better drive a truck to the emmy awards they might need it to take all their hardware home thank you for including my feedback as much as you did involving your uh, fans thoughts as much as you do makes your shows even better and keeps us all even more engaged in the conversations I would also like to note that this series averaged about 39 minutes per episode, while your podcast averaged more than one hour, 45 minutes. That's how much we had to chew on after each episode. Until next time, stay fantastic and mad he spelled it with the PH. There you go. Well, it has been our pleasure to... Uh, have that conversation with with sharing all the feedback that we've gotten uh, for the show. It has been it, it's been exciting. It's been it, it's taken us behind the scenes to come up with new solutions to to be able to to work through all of it. But it has been an absolute pleasure uh, to help facilitate the conversation for for other people. Uh, in addition to you know our our core podcast conversation as to the Emmy topic, Pete, I'll just remind everybody: yes, this is our final WandaVision podcast for a while. Um, highly anticipate lots of Emmy nominations in, uh, I think, July. So we'll, of course, podcast uh, 
the WandaVision scenario for, for nominations at that time. And then Emmys in September, uh, same thing. We'll, we'll, we'll podcast again for the wins. So uh, it's not goodbye forever when we wrap this up in a little bit. It's just goodbye for now. Unless they, they get passed over, which of course is always an option. But let's let's hope that's not going to be the case. John Blewett writes in the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, I woke up early only to stare at a blank TV screen for 37 minutes. Episode 10 did not live <laughs> up to the hype. <laughs> Bravo and well said. <laughs> a deep cut to that secret 10th episode theory that never had any legs, but some people went for anyway. There you go. And then Matt, a couple of Apple podcast reviews to read. Uh, we'll start with uh, Mom of Six, who writes, uh, really enjoy five stars. Really enjoy the podcast, even though I think they miss things that are blatantly obvious and clear to women. For example, when talking about one of the twins as babies having a red mark on its head, uh, was it on purpose or a scratch, etc.? They never even raised the possibility that the baby had an, quote, angel kiss, unquote. This is extremely common in Caucasian babies and is more prominent when a baby cries or has been crying. But I love the podcast and look forward to it every week, even if I wish they could hear me talking back to them. Well, Pete, something that we've discussed behind the scenes is how flattered we are as two middle-aged white guys living in new jersey to have heard from westview such... just outside of westview let's, uh, th- let's be clear that's true not too far from westview how how blessed we have been particularly for wandavision um but certainly for for uh fantastic geek in general uh to have had such a diverse audience of listenership and then to have so many people uh, reaching out uh during wandavision to be completely honest pete we've never gotten so many uh, communiques, whether it's emails, DMs, Twitter, tweets, what Facebook is, is, is and so forth, um, from women as we have. Um, so I would agree that was not that was definitely not part of our discussion. I would maybe hedge the response that though this show is made in the real world, you know, if I mean, look, we saw it with all the Bettany behind the scenes stuff. If Bettany doesn't look good in red, you paint him blue. If Bettany doesn't look good with ears, you CG them out. Um, and yes, the show is made under this this weird COVID you know schedule and whatnot. But um, if you didn't like the look of the real baby that may have had this angel kiss on the day because it had because it was crying on camera as as hoped for, or all right, we're going to go for the shot. Baby's crying. We're going to use it. Uh, if you didn't like that, you know, I don't know what the makeup protocol is for physical makeup. Is it appropriate to put on a baby? If it's not, don't do it you know tv makeup whatever certainly in the computer you, can, you know if you can make, take away paul bettany's ears you can sit and go ah we don't like that thing on the forehead so you know erase it um them small potatoes compared to you know have two women in the sky and remove all the wires and then make the background uh completely you know in the computer so i think le- legit criticism from the real world absolutely i i maybe would still run to our defense to say that was a good place to look for, you know, the, the, the mark on the baby's head was in the fictional show was a good place to, to kick around for theories as opposed to look at the real baby and, and real world things. But, uh, but the feedback appreciated nonetheless. 
Tassiana 14 writes everything I could want from a podcast five stars and it reads I'm a member of a few sci-fi fandoms and I'm no stranger to the endless theorizing on Reddit Discord Twitter and the like however I've always shied away from the MCU streams because of the sheer size of the fandom extent of the media and time between movies but you guys lay out everything so clearly week to week it's easy to navigate and carry on new information from here into conversations to make me seem like a true part of this fandom again. As we approach this finale, I just wanted to say thank you to uh, the fantastic WandaVision ride. Uh, I can't wait to listen to more of your content as Marvel rolls out theirs. Well, thank you for those kind words. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's been a joy particularly with WandaVision because there are both deep cuts and stuff that's on the surface and sitcom because of all it's MCU and classic TV and all this stuff to really kind of put it together in a way that makes sense for everybody that, you know, we can dig into the nature of the Dick Van Dyke Walnut episode as much as do you remember, uh, you know, uh, the, the first appearance of Wanda in Winter Soldier as much as, and in this episode, boy, that was great 80s hair. <laughs> uh, G Car 27 writes, listen to all of the Fantastic Geek podcast five stars. And the review reads, I've been listening to I've been listening for a long time to Matt and Pete five plus years, and they know their Marvel Star Trek Star Wars shows well. They took things to the next level with WandaVision with longer podcasts than normal to give in-depth analysis and predictions for the series. They were right much more than they were wrong. And even when they allowed themselves to be trolled by Paul Bettany, it made for a good podcast material. If you watch any of the other Marvel, Star Trek, Star Wars shows, and even God friended me, check them out. On a final note, while they are obvious fans, spelled with a PH here, Matt, of the material, they do a great job of giving honest uh, options even when uh, it hurts, i.e. in humans, Iron Fist Season 1, and some of the DC movies they have podcasted. I really appreciate the effort of keeping it positive most of the time, but being blunt slash direct when things fall flat on the shows we love. Well, and as longtime listeners will know, there's a lot in Inhumans to be blunt about, particularly the most wacky subplot <laughs> of all time. But Pete, that's a story for another day. Uh, any other feedback on your end? Our Carbone 84 uh, writes, worth listening to three out of five stars. Uh, and it reads, I was very happy to discover this podcast for WandaVision. The two hosts do a great job of covering the episodes in detail, and I enjoy the longer length compared to other podcasts. The structure of the shows is great. They start with a straightforward scene-by-scene recap of the episodes before moving on to a detailed discussion where the hosts share opinions and dive into theories. The only complaint I have is that one of the hosts speaks in a way that comes off very condescending, often when discussing the opinions of other viewers. At these times, his overall message is often a good one, focusing on the positive aspects of the show rather than complaining. However, there is something very off-putting about the way he delivers that message slash opinion. Pete, in my opinion, I hope that that's not me, but then I also hope that it's not you. So 
so I guess I don't know what to think. Professor uh, Pete, I mean, what do you it's, think? It's important to to listen to the notes. I, I think that's that's very, very much part of this process. And, you know, as, as people have pointed out here, I mean, this going forward and the unique nature Matt had spoken to before, like we're hearing from an amount of people we had never heard from before with these other shows. So, you know, you, you take it in, you distill it, you figure out the way in which you will react. Eddie Ginsberg writes in WandaVision five stars. Thank you for this excellent podcast. I am watching an episode, then listening to your reviews slash opinions for the episode. Thank you also for not feeling the need to snark in your reviews. I have now also subscribed to your Falcon and Winter Soldier feed and plan on watch the same way. Well, uh, certainly we hope that uh, anybody who's enjoyed the WandaVision ride, if you think Falcon and the Winter Soldier is up your alley, you know, and if you like the time you've spent with us on this podcast, we hope you we hope you join us for that adventure as well. Pete, anything else in your mailbag? One more here, Matt. Uh, T Dave zero twelve writes very disappointed on your hypocrisy. Oh. One star. This is the first series of podcasts I listened to from you guys, and I thought all was good besides how you like to toot your own horn and read positive comments from every source possible, saying how great you are. But what I'm surprised is that no one calls you out on the hypocrisy. I believe you said in earlier episodes that you wouldn't believe Marvel would make this about Wanda not being able to uh to cope with death or whatever because of how it would portray women in a negative light or being able to cope but when that was the case you went on to say how it was the story they were trying to tell all along or how you said you would be disappointed if x-men pietro was not actually the x-men pietro but just a guy who looks like them uh then in this last episode, you really sold out and tried to criticize people who were upset about the ending, which were a lot of your theories and wants. You said something like how if you expected it to be a certain way, then you really don't know much about the MCU or should just accept it because that's how the show's parameters set it when the entire season uh for the entire season when you were saying the opposite please own up and please 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 stop rooting your own horn and reading uh commenting saying how great you are uh they were so unbearable and i had to start skipping through that section all right so a couple of thoughts there first of all we have read all the feedback that we have gotten we've gone to great lengths to do that so I will not apologize for the fact that uh, the great majority of it has been super enthusiastic. Second of all, yes, in earlier parts I, of the... If, if I may, sure. we have not read everything we've gotten, okay? And increasingly, because of the volume of it, we've made decisions. But to a one-star review here to, to both hear you, to give it voice, and to respond, I, I think that's part of this process. I'll add to that. In the early part of the season, um, 
yes, I certainly rejected the notion that Wanda would would be presented as a weak, emotional woman who had done all of this because she was not in control of her emotions. I don't think that that's what we got. We did not get a woman. We did not get a weak-willed woman. We got uh, instead this exploration of grief, which I don't think it is weak to feel grief. Um, yes, we have the powers in there and whatnot, but I think that instead of was there an aspect of you know Wanda did not know what was going on? Was, was there a full consciousness of her powers? No, I don't think anybody walked away. However, from the entire series, saying you know women these days so hysterical then you give them magic powers and look how they screw up um i don't think that that was the message i think that it it, it was an exploration uh, among other things it was an exploration of female emotions and 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 universal emotions genderless emotions and all those things in a way that really hit with people and uh, as we heard um in the last week or so you know we had some listeners some female listeners who we're, we're viewing it through through eyes that, that we don't necessarily have and through experiences that we have not had. And I think that that speaks to the strength of Wanda, not the weakness of Wanda. Um, add to that, yes, we were very much in on Pietro being X-Men Pietro. Um, and then when we got it wrong, you could then see the craft of why they made that decision. Uh, it's kind of like being in a baseball game. And yeah, I, I, Pete, I've been in a baseball game with you where... You know, I, I don't remember the particular, you know, it was walk the batter or do this or put on a shift or whatever it was. And and uh, the Mets did the thing and the audience, uh, the, the the fans there were booing. And you were saying, no, 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 the numbers show that here you should walk the guy, even though it's kind of counterintuitive. Like, you can appreciate the craft. You can want You can want the guy to come up to bat and hit a home run and it lands in your glove. But when instead... Uh, something else happens, or maybe you don't if he's the opposition. You understand what I'm saying? You, you could say, let's strike him out. But instead, when they walk him, you can say, all right, I wish they did something else. I rooted for something else, but I understand the craft of why they made the choice that they did. The choice here was to play a joke on us and to twist us all around. And I wanted X-Men Pietro. I didn't get X-Men Pietro. You know, as we've said before, enjoy the process, not the, the win-loss column that you personally had for the show. Yeah, and I, I think without it, the, the show doesn't have that extra sizzle. You think about, you know, I was doing it for, for Mandalorian, and I know you, to a, a later extent, you know, wake up, watch him super early on Friday, and that's been a thing for as long as Disney Plus has been around, you know, these 18 months. But now with WandaVision, the level to which that's been the case, and now... You know, as we get ready to dive into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I've seen the first episode now, the idea of doing this for, you know, five weeks coming up, super excited. And I can't wait for everything to be Mephisto and not Mephisto. Pete, a couple of emails here. The first one from Tara James. Looking back on WandaVision as a series, I can't heap enough praise. When I first started, my nine-year-old thought something was wrong with the TV, having never seen a black-and-white show, and I thought it was some gimmicky piece of schlock that I was about to bail on until my son convinced me to stick with it. I'm so glad I continued watching. As the series went on, my son and I would watch the series twice a week, 
with me explaining some of the older cultural references, and between throwing theories back and forth, rewatching Avengers movies for clues, and listening to your fantastic, with a PH, podcast, I've had a blast following the series. I'm sorry to see it end, and I'm looking forward to the next Marvel series. On a separate note, I've also gone back to rewatch Star Trek Discovery, just so I can listen to your podcast of that show. I thought I had outgrown quote-unquote fandom, and I'm a former convention attendee, Starfleet member, flick-singing, zine-writer, com-pin-owning geek, uh, but I had moved on decades ago. I find listening to you guys has brought me back some of the fun I had back in the day. Thank you for that. Pete, that from Tara. That's really nice to hear, and I think that's kind of the sweet spot, that if we were trying to draw up, that would be what it is. Uh, so thank you. That's very kind. And Pete, the the final email ever on WandaVision? I don't know. <laughs> but the final for today, certainly. Uh, this from uh, Rebecca McRae, who says, Hello. Just wanted to say how much I've enjoyed this podcast. This was my first encounter with you, and now I'm hooked and will continue to listen and go back and listen to your past podcasts as well. I loved listening to your theories and going in-depth with comic references and history. One thing that I really enjoyed with the series was how they connected certain things. For instance, Agnes slash Agatha had said she had a husband named Ralph in the, in the first episode and made reference to him after that. Lo and behold, who is fake Pietro but Ralph? Also, in the flashback to the Stark missile that destroyed Wanda's childhood home, she's watching the Dick Van Dyke show. Uh, you can see the eerie red light on the missile that links back to the red light on the toaster in the commercial in the first episode. Ooh, good catch, Rebecca. Yeah. I, I had not made that connection. That being said, even though I love all the theories, I do like it when nothing comes of them and <laughs> a red door is just a red door. Also, I know who Jimmy's witness is. Are you ready for this, Pete? Yeah. It's Jimmy Hoffa. Anyway, stay fantastic. <laughs> that from Rebecca. That might be, that might be the perfect email to end with in that it could be that and it's not that <laughs> and and i think it's you know the the perfect way to look at the the promise but also uh the the thing that never gets answered that the mystery box presents yeah and i know there you know there has been some question how much mystery box or how much how much of this fun will carry over to Falcon and the Winter Soldier? And even my daughter had said, you know, like, oh, I don't know that I'm that interested in it. And I said, were you interested in WandaVision before we watched it? She said, no. And I said, but we've watched it every week and you've enjoyed it. Oh, I've loved it. So, Pete, I mean, it is, it's always sad, or most of the time, in humans looking at you, most of the time it's, uh, it, it's sad to, to wrap up a, uh, you know, a podcast to wrap up a series uh, finale here but you know i'm looking forward next week same time same place doing falcon and the winter soldier episode uh one and the adventure continuing there i absolutely cannot wait to talk about this next show well pete all of this of course has been made possible by the people who support us on patreon.com so our thanks uh, particularly, you know, again, here we are on this one-year anniversary of when when there was this massive COVID shift, and to have more support than ever, uh, particularly as some people have had some tough goes and whatnot, that is that is very very touching. Not only does it make some of the technical stuff in the background go, you know, whiz and click and clack and all that, but it's uh, you know on an emotional level, it's a big, uh, you know, 
brings a brings a brings a tear to the eye and so forth. So thank you to everyone who has supported us there. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to choose from. It just takes a dollar to get you in that door. Could come in the uh, manner of an exclusive release or something to get to listen to early. Uh, but you put a price on the content, and we are uh, in such a wonderful position because of the people who are helping us out there. So thank you again. So Pete, whether it is Emmy prognostications for WandaVision or hopes and dreams for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R 11,867 followers, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are FantasticGeek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash FantasticGeek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete thus brings an end to this adventure, but the next one not far away. So I will say, for now, adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Talk to you soon.